0: When the Israelites returned from Babylon, they couldn't just go back to normal. We find ourselves heading into a similar situation. What does God want to say to us in this season as we prepare for life after a pandemic? In After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal, Pastor Harris will preach a series based on the books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Zechariah chapter seven, and we've been in the in the books of haggai zechariah, and we 'll be moving to malachi these the last three books of the Old Testament um, in a sermon series entitled "After the Exile: Living for God in the New Normal: After the Exile: Living for God in the New Normal and today we're looking at Zechariah chapters five through 7. But I want to read for us to begin just from chapter 7, beginning at verse number 8 down through verse 10. And the scripture says this, and the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other may god bless his word to us this morning and so yeah we're in the midst of this series of messages from these final three books of the Old Testament. And these prophets, as we've seen, they they were preaching and writing to the Jewish people who had just come out of, of their exile in Babylon, who were trying to rebuild their nation, rebuild their city, their lives, trying to begin to live a more normal life, albeit a somewhat new normal. And... Right, we've said that right now we're all kind of feeling as if we're in a bit of exile. And we're looking forward to the day when we can come out of our exile and begin to maybe go back into something that seems a bit more normal, at least um, what will be our new normal. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to stop right here and say, I'm so glad the beaches and boardwalks are opening up, aren't you? Right? It makes us feel like when we go down there that there's a little bit of something, a little more normal for us, even if we need to social distance and, or wear face masks and all those things. But I do want to say this, that I want to encourage us to understand that, that right now really is our time, a good time for us to prepare ourselves individually and corporately for the day when we come out of all of this. Right now is our time to prepare ourselves for what it will mean to live for God in our new normal. And today's message, as we'll see, it speaks to us of the fact that God is looking for people who will live as he calls us to live, to live according to his work in our lives, to live according to who he is. It's a call to do more than just talk about God or talk about what we believe. But it's a call, as we'll see this morning, to walk the talk. And that's the name of our, our our message this morning. It's time to walk the talk. Now let me ask you. Many of you can answer this question really fast. But what's the biggest complaint people outside of the church have about the church or about church people? You know what they say? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. And I know that's not always a fair assessment. But we do have to ask ourselves, could they have a point? Could it be that the people of our world instinctually know that those who call themselves God's people, those who call themselves followers of Christ, are supposed to live their lives in a particular way, in a different way, in a a way that's based on high moral and ethical standards? And could it be that sometimes they're right? that we claim to have been saved and forgiven of sin and yet our lives fail to exemplify the very work of God that we talk about or the very nature of God the God whom we claim to serve. You know, years ago there was a bumper sticker that a lot of Christians had on the back of their cars and it said this. It said, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. I hated that bumper sticker. Maybe some of you had it. I'm sorry if I'm offending you. But, but you know what? That bumper sticker to me was such a cop-out. I used to say, if a boy showed up at my house to take my daughter on a date with that bumper sticker on the back of his car, I wouldn't let her go with him. I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Too bad, buddy. You're not taking my, my daughter out. Listen. As we look towards coming out of our exile and entering into our new normal, we need to reflect upon the fact that our world needs people who not just talk about God and the things of God and all that God has supposedly done in their lives, but people who actually live as God's people, people who will live according to what God has done, that he saved them, forgiven them, filled them with his spirit, and and according to God's own nature, that, that people who would reflect through their lives the God whom they claim to worship and serve. You see it's it's always been God's intent that we would be not just a forgiven people but but we might say as the Bible shows us a holy people that is people who've been separated from sin and dedicated to him. And I believe more than ever before our world is in need of people people in the church who will walk the talk who will back up their words with action, who will properly represent the God they say has saved them, the God that they claim to worship, people who will represent well Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that's what I want us to consider today as we look at Zechariah chapters 5 through 7. And in these chapters, we have a call to God's people to realize that God expects us to live in a very particular way, both from a negative side, for we have to ask the question, have we allowed sin to creep into our lives? Have we made excuses for our sin? And from a positive side, are we living in a way that exemplifies the true heart and nature of of God? Listen, I was very tempted as I was laying out this series of messages to just kind of skip over to, to Zechariah chapter 7. But, but I felt like as, as I was studying these chapters that God wants us to weave them together this morning. And so I know it's a lot to cover. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move along quickly for us today. But, but I want us to see how they fit so well together as God calls us this morning to be a people who walk the talk. And in Zechariah chapters 5 and 6, we have three visions here. And we've seen how God has given Zechariah a number of visions. There's actually eight in total. And we said last week, well, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And that's what God was doing for Zechariah and for the people. And in these visions, these, these next three visions... I believe God was sending his people a very simple message, and that message was this. Listen, if you call yourself my people, be sure to deal with your sin. Be sure to deal with your sin. Let me take us through these visions. I'm not going to read it all for us, but in in, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, look in your Bibles, if you will, and you can read these later on. But we have the vision of the flying scroll. It's a vision of a huge scroll that that has writing on both sides of it. and And the scroll wasn't rolled up, but it was completely open, flying above the land so that the people could read what was written on it. And what was written on it were not the promises of blessing from God, but promises for punishment or curses on those who sinned. I don't know that I would want to see that scroll flying over my house. But on one side was a curse for those who broke the eighth commandment. You shall not steal. And on the other side was a curse for those who broke the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain or those who would swear falsely by the name of God. It's possible that these two sins were becoming very prevalent among the people. But God was intent on dealing with the sin that was in the lives of his people. And... I don't believe that these two um, the, these two sins were meant to be exclusive, but merely examples of how God deals with sin in a person's life. And so the scroll was a reminder that God will judge sin on a personal level. And in Zechariah 5, 4, this, this vision ends with these words where, where the Lord says, the Lord Almighty declares, I will send it out and it will enter the house of the thief and the house of anyone who swears falsely by my name. It will remain in that house and destroy completely both its timbers and its stones. And the thought is simply this. One cannot claim to be part of the people of God and to have their sins cleansed, as we saw God did for Joshua the high priest in chapter 3, and yet to go on to live their life any way they wish. And that God will judge sin within each of our lives, and God expects us to deal with our sins. So God expects us to deal with our sin on a personal level. That's the first vision. The second vision is found in verses 5 through 11 of chapter 5, And look what it says there beginning at verse 5. It says this, Then the angel who was speaking to me came forward and said to me, Look up and see what's appearing. I asked, What is it? He replied, It is a basket. And he added, This is the iniquity of the people throughout the land. And then the cover of lead was raised, and there in the basket sat a woman. He said, This is wickedness. And he pushed her back into the basket and pushed its lead cover down on it. And so Zechariah sees this large basket with this lead top on it. And when the top is removed, inside is a woman, the personification of wickedness. Now that's a scary, scary picture. And so the basket, in essence, is filled with the sin and the wickedness of the people. But then if you read on, you see how Zechariah then sees two angelic beings who lift the basket with the woman inside of it and carry it to the place of its origin And that was back to Babylon. And the basket is set in a house designed for probably an idolatrous temple. And what we see really is this. We see God purging sin from among his people in a corporate sense. The vision shows God at work to remove sin from among his people that they might be a pure and holy people. Because here's the thought. God cannot and will not tolerate sin among his people. So God doesn't tolerate sin within our lives. He doesn't tolerate sin among us as his people. And some of the people of Zechariah's day might have been saying, well, God, that's not fair that you be so, so tough on us, so hard on us. Look at the nations of the world. Look at all of them. You're just going to leave them alone. That's where the next vision comes in, where we have this vision of the four chariots. And Zechariah sees four chariots with different color horses, similar to what we saw in chapter 1. And they come out from between two bronze mountains, which probably represent Mount Zion and the Mount of Olives, but bronze representing judgment. And without getting into the details, the horses with these chariots are sent throughout the land to bring forth the judgment of God. And in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 6, we read these words. When the powerful horses went out, they were straining to go throughout the earth. And he said, go throughout the earth. So they went throughout the earth. Then he called to me, look, those going those going toward the north country have given my spirit rest in the land of the north. And so. Some say that the colors of these horses represent different judgments. It could be famine, bloodshed, war, disease, death. But once judgment has taken place, the Spirit of God can rest. But the point is simply this, that God will not allow sin to go unpunished anywhere in our world. God reminds his people that someday he will come and he will judge the nations. That God will not allow sin to grow unhindered. God will not look the other way. But all people, all nations will experience judgment for their sin. For you see, no one gets away with sin. And so we might summarize it this way, that what we see through these three visions is God dealing with sin on a personal level that is within our lives, on a corporate level that is among his people, and on a global or universal level. For in the end, we see that God cannot and will not tolerate sin on any level, not in our lives, not among his people, not within our world, for God is serious about sin. And the point is this. Listen, the point is this, that God was calling his people individually and corporately to check their lives, to make sure that they were living the way he had called them to live. God was calling them to deal with any sin that they may have allowed to creep back into their lives or into their midst to confess it, to repent of it, to turn from it. For God is serious about sin. You see, it wasn't enough that these people would say, oh, you know, we're the redeemed of the Lord. We're God's people. He brought us out of Egypt. Now he brought us out of Babylon. Oh, what a great and wonderful God we have. And then to go on to live any way they liked. When we talk about walking the talk, On the one side, that means that we need to understand we cannot live just any way we like. It means making sure that we do as Jesus told us to do, to cut out of our lives anything that would lead us back into sin. For it's hypocritical, it's hypocritical to say you've been forgiven and you've been saved and even filled with the Spirit, and yet to live your life stealing, cheating, in adultery, gossiping, filled with anger, filled with bitterness, whatever it might be, we could go on and on. The point is this, that as God's people, if we're going to walk the talk, we need to deal with our sin. We need to confess it. We need to hit it head on. We need to come back to God and say, God, God, I've sinned, and I'm asking you to forgive me, and I turn away from it, that I might live the way you've called me to live. And so that, we could say, is, is walking the talk on the negative side, but now we come to the positive side of the equation because it's not just about dealing with our sin or cutting out of our lives stuff that needs to be cut out, but it is about going on to live a lifestyle that truly reflects the nature of God. And that's where Zechariah chapter 7 comes in. And here we have a challenge, a challenge to be a people of justice, mercy, and compassion, to make sure our lives represent the very nature of the God whom we say has saved us, the God whom we claim to follow and to worship. And in Zechariah chapter 7, we read of some some men coming to Jerusalem with a question from the people of Bethel. And their question had to do with the, with, with the keeping of certain religious fasts. And it seems that they wanted to do what was right before God. But Zechariah challenges them to go beyond religious ritual. He takes them back to that which God has been telling them for a long, long time speaking to them about that which was most concerning and most important to his heart, that it's not about their religious ritual, but it's about their lifestyle. It's about their relationships. It's about what's happening in their hearts. And his point is that their question ought not be, how religious do I need to be to please God? Or how much do I need to fast? Or how many times a week do I need to go to church? Or how many chapters of the Bible do I need to read each week to be good with God? But rather... Rather, the question ought to be, how does God want me to live? What ought my life look like? What ought to be happening from my heart and through my life? And Zechariah 7 verses 9 through 10 give the answer that God, God is looking for. It says this, that this is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. You see, it's so easy for us to fall into the same rut as did the people of Zechariah's time. For we all tend to favor religion over lifestyle. Why? Because you see, religion is easier. It's more defined. Most of the time it requires less, less effort, less time, less commitment. It's more convenient. But Zechariah reminds us that ultimately God is not interested as much in how religious we are as He is in how we respond to the people around us, how we live our lives on a day-to-day basis, how we respond to people in need, especially the weakest and most vulnerable among us. For God calls us as His people to a very particular lifestyle. It's a challenge to us, for it's a lifestyle of justice, of mercy. And of compassion. You see, this is the very nature of God. This is the nature we, of, of our Savior Jesus, even as we saw, read about Him or saw Him walking this earth. And God makes it clear that He's calling His people to live according to His nature, according to His heart. Oh, back in Exodus 34, when God revealed Himself on Mount Sinai to Moses, we read this, that he, the Lord, passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord or Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. It's a phrase that's quoted over and over again in the Old Testament. It's the most quoted or requoted phrase that we find in the scriptures and we see the essence of it over in the book of James where James writes in James chapter 1 verse 27 that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this and some of us would fill in with all kinds of stuff going to church a lot reading my bible a lot you know not doing this not going there not not drinking this or drinking that you know and we fill it in oh that's pure religion that's holiness no but James writes this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Later on, James writes, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. We could we could summarize those words as justice, mercy, and compassion. For you see, those are the attributes that reflect the nature of God, and thus the attributes that ought to mark our own lives as God's people. For he's a God who's especially concerned with the weakest and most vulnerable of our world. Listen, church, when it comes to this coronavirus, COVID-19, I can't help but think about how concerned God is for the elderly among us who will Who've been so afflicted and who have been dying at such a rapid rate? I can't think of help but think of how concerned God's God's heart is, how His heart goes out to the minorities and our inner city um, communities who are disproportionately being affected. How his heart goes out for those who are standing for hours on food lines and we think we have in some places here bad in our country and then we see what's happening in places like South Africa or India where people are standing for hours on lines miles long. Oh, his heart has to, has to go out for the poor outside of Guayaquil, Ecuador. I've been in Guayaquil. I've been in some of these communities where over 10,000 people died within but a few weeks. And the bodies were being stacked and put into mass graves. I was reading this week about the refugees in the largest refugee camp in the world. It's in Bangladesh. And how right now they're in danger of a major outbreak within the next week or so. I can't help but think that God's heart is turned towards those people. And I hate to say it. I don't mean to to ruffle anybody's feathers too much this morning. But while so many Christians are allowing this pandemic to become politicized. I see it on the posts or spreading conspiracy theories, or getting angry that their personal lives have been upset in some way, God's heart goes out to those all around the world who are suffering, who are in need of justice, mercy, and compassion, and so ought ours. So ought ours. Let's be careful, church, that our hearts... Our lives would represent God. The things we say, the way we think, the things we post would represent the very nature of the God, the God whom we serve. And so what does all of this say to us today? What are our takeaways? How does this impact us as we look towards the future and what the future holds for us as God's people? Well, it's, it's basically this. Listen, if we're going to walk the talk, if we're going to walk the talk, for one, we need to make sure we deal with our sin. Jesus said, listen, don't try to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye when you have a plank sticking out of your own. That's a lovely picture, isn't it? But we can't allow ourselves to fall back into sinful patterns. We can't say we've been forgiven of sin and yet live any way we like. We ought not ignore the sin that's crept back into our lives. The Apostle Paul says that's taking advantage or disrespecting the grace of God. And we need to be careful not to make excuses for our sin. For in the end, it does the kingdom of God no good to have people who call themselves saved, forgive, and filled with the Spirit, and yet who cheat, who lie, who steal, who spread falsehoods, who display anger, who gossip, and on and on. It does the kingdom of God no good. And our world needs to be see people who will walk. The talk And so if you know you've allowed sin to creep back into your life, I would encourage you today, I I challenge you to say, listen, this is the time to confess it, to repent of it, to turn from it, to ask God for renewed forgiveness. Whatever you do, don't accept it, don't ignore it, don't allow it to grow. Don't just say, well, I guess it is what it is. No, it isn't. It's time to walk the talk. And that means maybe first of all, confessing your sin, getting it out of your life. And listen, if you've never experienced the forgiveness of God that is available to you through Christ Jesus, our Lord, I challenge you, I encourage you this morning to turn to him through faith in his son, Jesus. We saw it last week. God does for us what we could never do for ourselves as he comes and he cleanses us. He wipes away every sin. He makes us new from the inside out. And the thought here this morning is, yeah, God cleanses us. He takes off the filthy rags. He gives us clean rags or clean clothing, clean garment to wear. But then it's up to us to go out and live according to what he's done in our lives. I encourage you this morning, each one of us to make sure that we deal with our sin, that which separates us from God, that which, 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 which brings harm to our relationships with each other, that which hurts our testimony before our world. And so... We deal with our sin that we might walk the talk. But secondly, we need to check ourselves and make sure we're living our lives according to God's nature. For he calls us to be people who, like him, are people of justice, mercy, and compassion. And we can't think that we can get away with calling ourselves Christians and yet being heartless towards those in need, living our lives for self-gain, turning a blind eye towards injustice. And listen, we're... Just being smacked in the face with injustice right now as we see what's happened to the shooting of this young man down in Georgia. This young black man. And listen, I, I, I don't understand all that took place. All we know is that something very unjust took place in his life. And we as believers, we can't turn to blind eye. We can't just say, well, it is what it is. But like our Father God, our hearts need to be broken. Jesus hit the nail on the head when he pointed to the two greatest commandments. When he said, Listen, these are the two love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. He said the two of them, they're one and the same. They sum up the whole of the law. And so our new normal is simply this living according to God's heart for us as his people. And this season that we're in right now, I believe, is a perfect time for us to assess ourselves as the people of God. Yeah, we want to rush out of it, and man, I want things to get back to normal as quickly as possible, but maybe God's saying to us, listen, don't be so fast to rush. Or maybe this is a good time for us to step back and, and begin to pray with the psalmist. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way ever- everlasting. Through this crisis and after it, our world needs to see people who've been truly transformed by the grace, the mercy, the love and power of God. People who've committed themselves to living the way God has called them to live. People who will live God's way. People who will walk the talk. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I just pray right now for your people, even as we're spread out in so many different places. But God, right now that you would take your word and by your spirit, you would just press it into our hearts, impress it upon our minds. God, I pray that you would help us today to be people who represent you, that we're not just forgiven people, but we're holy people. We're separated from sin. And and so, God, today, I pray that you would help us. Holy Spirit, that you would search our our lives today, our hearts and minds. And and we believe your word that says, if we will confess our sin, that you will purify us from our sin. Well, we thank you for what you do for us when when we give our lives to Jesus, the way you change us from the inside out and you cleanse us. And you make us completely new. And I pray for someone today who maybe is taking that step in their life for the first time. But God, we as well know how many times that that we fail and we allow sin to creep back into our lives. And we, at times we ignore it. We make excuses for it. We just kind of want to do our own thing. And we, we disrespect the grace of God at work in our lives. But today, God, we turn from sin. We turn back to you. We ask you to forgive us, to cleanse us anew today. And Lord, that you would just some way pour your heart into us, that our hearts would beat with your heart, that we would be known God, maybe people around us, they won't understand so much of what we believe or or why it is we live like we live, but we will be known as a people of justice, mercy, and compassion, and that through our lives, the goodness of God and the light of Christ will be lifted up and manifest to our world, that people would understand all around us that there are people there are people who are living their lives in a different way, people who truly do walk the talk. Help us, oh God. I pray that you would use us, God, to honor your name and to build your kingdom, to strengthen the work that you're doing here among us and through us and around our world. And so I pray your hand over your people, the ministry of your spirit, Let your word remain true in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.